All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Meg to the Trench, which, you know, you've probably heard me say before on the show, I was not a big fan of the first Meg movie, uh, but I loved this sequel so much. It's one of my most fun experiences at the movie theaters this year. I went to see it with my mom in 4DX, and we just had a blast. And I even went back and rewatched The Meg afterwards, and I gotta say I was a little hard on it. But we'll talk about that a little more during the conversation with my guest, Emma Sewell, who is actually such a big Meg fan. She's seen the movie like 300-something times, which is amazing. Uh, But we'll get into that as we get into the conversation. And uh, before we get to that, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, yeah, with that said, we got a lot of crazy shit to get into. So let's start talking about Meg to the Trench. All right, we are going to talk Meg to the Trench. And I am so excited to talk about this one because I know critically uh, maybe, you know, hasn't been received as well as uh, some of the uh, people behind this movie were hoping. But I think people who wanted to like this movie loved it. Me and my mom loved it. And my guest here, Emma Sewell, is somebody who really loved it. Emma, welcome to Piecing It Together. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. When I saw your tweet that you had seen the first Meg over a hundred times and this one already five times, where where are you up to now at this point? Because that was like a couple weeks ago. Well, so it was just a happy coincidence that when the trailer came out, I was like, how many days? I'll start a countdown. And (laughs) if I watched the original film every day until the new one was released... I would mm-hmm. do 300 watches of the first one and then be able to the next day go and see The Trench. So that Amazing. is what I did. So I'm up to like 306 now on oh my the God. original Meg. That's amazing. Um, only six on The Trench at the cinema, though. But okay. That, yeah, that, that's that's a, a regular amount, I would say, for... Uh... Yeah, sure. but <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get into, uh, you know, what it is you like so much about these silly movies along the way. But first, it is your first time on the show. So why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and what you do? Sure. So um, like, film has always been in, in my life. I grew up on sort of the old awful comedies like Carry On Films and Abbott Costello and mm. Creature Features, which has not left me. That's sure. All, obviously, yeah. Um, uh, it was always just a just a hobby until uh, yeah, five six years ago. I was like, you know what, let's start doing this thing a bit properly. So, um, yeah. I am sort of part time movie reviewer now. I've got my uh, blog going where I do reviews. Um, been lucky enough to go to the London Film Festival. Uh, got mm-hmm. that all booked up for this year again, and I've joined the Flickering Dreams podcast where we just cover new new releases and uh, you know pick a, a director to talk about our favorite films of the um, backlist. So, yeah, awesome stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, my my mom, who I went to see this movie with, and she just 
had an absolute blast. We saw it in 4DX, and she was just like screaming <laughs> as the seats were shaking and the water was splashing. Um, but she loves to tell people that uh, when she was pregnant with me, she took me to uh, the world's worst film festival. And uh, that Sounds was, amazing. you know, oh, yeah, I, I'm sure all those movies were incredible, you know, Ed Wood and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, th I think this series and this movie specifically, the second one, because I feel like, you know, I, I had told you that I wasn't the biggest fan of the Meg, but I did revisit it after loving Meg 2 so much. And I found it to be a lot more fun than I think I gave it credit for the first time. But this one really leans in. And this is for fans of silly over-the-top movies absolutely good yeah. <laughs> couldn't agree more with you <laughs> yeah so uh you know with, with that said i feel like we'll get into like what works and what maybe doesn't um although honestly i had such fun with this movie i don't i don't know anything screw anything <laughs> that doesn't work but but we'll get to all that along the way let's just start jumping into puzzle pieces what do you have for your first one so two major obvious ones i'm going to go with the slightly less obvious one and that's jurassic park Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, big big dinosaur popping up in the in a lot of the sure. scenes, which actually, uh, it is actually the beginning of the first Meg book. That mm -hmm. like the opening scene to this film is the beginning of the last book, and I was a bit upset it wasn't in the first film. But obviously, mm -hmm. you get the you know the T Rex with the iconic roaring, and then uh, later in the film, you've got. I've forgotten all the character names. It's just got yeah. out of my head. I know Jonas. That's the only one I remember <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> Jonas and um, the Meg. Uh, I know the Meg <laughs> is the Meg. So, you know. The Essentials is fine. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. When they're obviously trying to get the helicopter and the uncle is having a fight with one of the sort of crocodile monsters mm. and you get all of the other ones running at him through the tall grass. Sure, and you could just see them, and he's running off, and I, I was just like, "Oh my god, that is that Jurassic Park." There we go, um, yeah, just lots of that, and then you know, you get the where again, it's the uncle. He gets into the very small enclosure for the very large creature, sure, um, to to you know have, do a couple of tricks, um, <laughs> and that feels very much like raptor fences in mm -hmm. Jurassic World and you know the T-Rex confined in the first one and just like although I know some of the bits as I say are in the actual novelization I think they really they've obviously leaned heavy into the aesthetics of Jurassic Park just for a lot of things yeah um, absolutely <laughs> I had the Jurassic movies on my list as well like I think there's other areas too that we could connect them um you know the the fact that the uncle uh he he thinks that he's trained one of these things you know that's total <laughs> Chris Pratt and the Raptors um yeah. you know there, there's also Jason Statham needing to go repair the auxiliary power or whatever so they can you know they can survive which by the way amazing that he's like able to swim like thousands of feet down below the the ocean with no suit on just incredible stuff there um i'm gonna put that down to science in inverted yes. commas that i know nothing about so i'm happy to believe that would be able to happen i love that line that like you don't see fish exploding from the pressure like sure that that explains it 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, great stuff all around. But but yeah, lots lots of parallels could be made to both Jurassic Park and the Jurassic World movies. And, uh, you know, I, I think this movie is, you know, a lot more fun than the Jurassic World movies. I mean, nothing beats the first Jurassic Park. Like, that is just a... It's both creature feature and a genuinely great movie. Um, mm. But this, you know, I think as far as, like, silliness and over-the-topness and all that, like, it definitely beats the world movies. Um, but before I go to another puzzle piece, you brought up the novels. Have you read all of the Meg novels? Um, I have only read the first one. Um, okay. I am awful for this because I'm like, oh, yeah, it's based on a book. And I buy the book and then I don't get time to read it. Before I, see <laughs> I do the, the same film, thing. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually, so this one is much more like the first book in that okay. there's, there's sort of this sea world type center hmm. um and a lot of the action is is based around that and what they're they're doing so um i'm assuming they went well we need to make this film and we need to make people like it so it should be a lot more random like just actiony sure. yeah and then they've gone back to this one and like all right okay we can take some of the good bits out of the the first yeah. book and uh, merge it in <laughs> for sure, for sure. I, I saw an article that said the third book in the series is just the craziest, most ridiculous one. So hopefully that's where we're headed if the Meg 3 happens, because uh, I want to see how nuts when, they can make this thing. When, when. the Meg 3. Positive Absol thinking, get it out into the yes. world. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, just as a quick tangent, I mean, this movie, it, it did off of 130 million budget. It did 61 million here in the US and Canada, but... 204 million everywhere else and a total of 265 so far nice. uh just off a couple of weeks so i mean obviously the world is behind us here and is going to help fund the next meg movie <laughs> so uh thank you to the rest of the world um but speaking of that i am gonna go with the fast and furious series for my uh first Ooh. puzzle piece here Specifically because of that, this movie um, is absolutely playing to a world stage. It is going for a specific kind of audience who loves this kind of stuff. And that is exactly how the Fast and Furious movies have stayed afloat, even as, you know, critically, uh, you know, maybe, you know, as far as like uh, pop culture wise, like people have kind of gotten sick of them, it seems like here in America. But at the same time, these movies keep making money overseas, and uh, people love just how over the top and crazy they get. Um, you could, of course, also, uh, you know, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, like, you know, any of Jason Statham's, like, stuff going on in the Fast and Furious movies. He's basically that same character here with Jonas <laughs> in, uh, you know, in Meg 2. And, and let's be honest, he's basically that character in most movies he does. But, uh, you know, he's definitely, though, drawing on just how awesome, you know, Jason Statham, the presence is in these kinds of movies. And so you, you've got this guy who can basically do anything, but he's also kind of a screw up and he wants everybody to leave him alone until they talk him into it. They get him with that one little thing, whether it's, uh, you know, the niece or the ex-wife or, you know, whatever it is they can drag him back in with. Uh, and, and maybe that goes a little to both the Meg and Meg too. But um, yeah, the Fast and Furious movies uh, are something that I feel like these movies are going to keep up in the ante when we get the Meg 3 and like they're just going to get more and more over the top. And that's, you know, exactly the trajectory that the Fast and Furious uh, franchise has gone on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, 
yeah, after after the first Meg, it was clear they were like big monster, big action. That's what we want. And this time, I think they did lean heavy into a lot more a widespread sort of action. So you you got action on land, mm-hmm. in the sea, mm-hmm. on boats, on skidoos. Just <laughs> let's just throw more action in everywhere. Get more exactly. of it in, and it gets more ridiculous. Like you say, underwater. Sure, you don't need breathing apparatus. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're one step away. The Meg in space. I can see oh. it. The Meg Five in space. Yeah. yeah, I'm all there for it. There's a very thin line between uh, underwater movies and outer space movies. So, <laughs> like, and, and that'll actually factor into some of my puzzle pieces. But, um, yeah, like, definitely the Meg could easily go to space. By the way, uh, Jason Statham stabbing a Meg with a helicopter propeller. Um, I that thing is hundreds of pounds, probably. <laughs> I I was sitting there in the the first time I watched it, and I was like. I love it. I love it. Emma, don't think about the fact he would not be able to lift that, especially out of the water. Uh, like the end of it was fully submerged. No. <laughs> Just do not think and watch oh, the movie and man. enjoy it for what it is. Uh, let's go to another puzzle piece. What do you have next? Sure. Oh, which one to pick? You know, I'm going to pick Rush Hour, like oh, the nice. three films. So, Wu Yin, terrible with pronunciation of names. Um, the gentleman who played the uncle is actually a really big actor in in China. Mm. Um, I thought he was great on screen. You know, really good oh, chemistry yeah. with the the other actors and stuff. He very clearly has that Jackie Chan vibe about him, which I love. Um, and the scene I mentioned, you know, Jurassic Park esque, where he's running through the the long grass. The fight he has before that with the spade that breaks in half and he's just doing random stuff. And I was just, the callback to watching Rush Hour and like that very animated, comical sort of fighting style, uh, I think it was obviously really suited with giant CGI'd creatures and stuff. But um, the mannerisms, it just lightens everything up because... I think with these films, and people will go, it absolutely does that. But I'm going to say they sometimes <laughs> can be a little too serious for their own liking. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, that it, it's too serious. But I was like, it's not serious at all. They mm-hmm. all know what they're in and it's fantastic. And I think that comedic style of action really just helps it all along. Um, I mean, there's when he has got the bomb at the end. He's jumping out of the helicopter and yeah. he sort of fumbles it and it accidentally turns on and he has that moment of panic where he's trying to switch it back off. Just made me chuckle so much. And again, just Jackie Chan fighting with all those um, like Chinese artefacts in right. the like convention centre thing. I just, I just loved watching him doing that sort of slightly more slapstick comedy so i think you know it it's clear that a lot of action stars take um you know take a lead from the original action stars um, sure. and it's just nice to nice to see and uh i think it just works really well in this setting 
Absolutely. I, I think that guy is a big part of what makes this one work even more for me mm. than the first one did, because like you're saying, like some of that slapsticky action stuff. I mean, some people have complained about Meg 2 is like, there's not enough shark. And it's like, yeah, it's a shark movie, but it, but I'm there for a big over-the-top action movie with some <laughs> monsters in it and some just crazy shit. And he absolutely gives me that big over-the-top action movie. So does Jason Statham. Like, everybody is on that same page of, like, let's just make this crazy. It's not just a shark movie. You want a shark movie? Go watch Jaws. I mean, Jaws, of course, can come up here as a puzzle piece, but, like, you know, watch Jaws. It, it already exists, you know? Like, this is meant to be a crazy over-the-top movie. I think that's what drew Ben Wheatley to it, who I think, I don't know if you're a fan of his, but, like, I, I'm generally not a big fan of Ben Wheatley's, but I think the idea of getting to make this crazy over-the-top film is what drew him to this franchise. Mm. Yeah, I'm sort of on the fence, you know. Mm -hmm. Perfectly fine. Um, I'm just glad that it didn't, like, have a massive effect on how the final products came out. I was still invested. It was still what I loved about the first one and taking it to another level. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, you know, that really sat well with me. So I'm glad he was on board for that reason. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I will go uh, for another piece here. Um, And this was one that when I first saw the trailer, I was like, please let it be a movie where I can use this as a puzzle piece. And I I think I can, and that makes me happy. Uh, It's Piranha 3D. uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) It's on my list. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Piranha 3D is the best possible version of oh they're making a new piranha movie hell yeah let's go um (laughs) that is like a movie that understood exactly what we want out of these movies and uh the the director alexander ahad he like just was totally on board with what the point of a big silly monster movie like this is a creature feature and uh you know it's sequel 3dd or 3dd whatever you want to call it uh you know didn't quite it, it went, it tipped the scales, it went a little too silly, whereas 3D balances it perfectly. It's exactly the the violence, it's exactly the comedy, it's exactly the creature stuff, and I feel like this one did that well. Um, of course, this isn't like a hard R-rated super gory movie, it's just more about the action, so it, it's different in that way, but yeah, I, I'm glad you had Piranha 3D on your list as well. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, um, I mean... Basically, the bottom of my list is every shark movie ever made. Sure, sure. Uh, and then just a long list of things like, oh, I saw that, I saw that. Mm-hmm. But that was that was one of the big ones, and I was like, yeah, it's absolutely sort of on the same level, like you say. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's go to another one. What uh, what do you have for another one? Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over the shark ones and go to another action franchise, and that is Die Hard. Okay. Obviously, like Die Hard with sharks. Yeah. So, pretty self-explanatory. And I think there are two, two points in it that very much made me just think, oh, this is in that franchise. It has to be. Um, we can we can put the Meg Two in it instead of five in that series. Mm. That's fine. Absolutely fine. Sure. <laughs> um, you get uh, the villain. Uh, our random villain who I never really feel like you properly meet him. 
Right. And yet you You're just there. The, you do get the backstory, and but he just pops up everywhere. <laughs> and that's that's a very diehard thing. You think they're dead, they come back. Yeah. Um you're in a completely different place. Look, there's a villain again. Um just everywhere. And just like how is this man still alive? Yeah. Um at this point. <laughs> and very much like you get at the end, obviously he's trying to get Jonas and at that point. I'm like, this is where the villain logic goes out the window. So yeah. his girlfriend has been eaten by the Meg. He wants to kill Jason Statham. Fine. But Jason Statham wants to kill the shark that ate your girlfriend. So why not kill the shark and then kill Jason Statham whilst he's killing the shark? I mean, mm. there's very much villain logic there. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but then you get... The very and I mean it, you could probably line them up uh, against each other and go this is the same scene and that was when at the final sort of battle he's walking down the pier with Jonas swimming underneath it trying to avoid the bullets mm, yeah that he's shooting through and I was like this is exactly the boardroom scene um, in the first film and I just I just loved it is like. There were lots of little sort of nods to a lot of action films in there. And you yeah. can definitely see where they'd come from. But I think that that was probably my favorite little collection of them. Absolutely. I, I love like so far during this conversation, we, we have the Fast and Furious movies, we have Rush Hour movies, and we have the Die Hard movies, which kind of shows that this is just as much like your B action movie, like, you know, that, that kind of over the top as it is creature feature over the top, it like kind mm. of, it kind of throws them all together. And that that's what's so much fun about it, I think. But uh, yeah, great, great one there to include. I love that. Um, I'm going to go with alien for my next puzzle piece. Uh, I said earlier, like there's a thin line between uh, outer space and underwater movies. Uh, the alien movies, you always have like they're on a course for something until they get some kind of distress signal that takes them off course <laughs> into much more danger and, you know, everything hitting the fan. And uh, that's that's what happens here. They're going down to the trench to do their, uh, you know, research and whatnot. And uh, next thing they know, they find out there's somebody else down there and, uh, you know, everything goes crazy from there. And of course, they encounter. Uh, undersea creatures and all that stuff. So you, you've got a lot of that. You also have, uh, you know, that whole middle act of the film here in Meg 2 where it's like survival on this ship where um, if the ship, you know, cracks open or whatever or if they run out of air, like, you know, they're done for. And uh, again, that that speaks to just how similar outer space and underwater all the dangers of both of those situations are. Uh, so, yeah, I think you get a lot of alien here. Um and I think if you go with the first Meg, you could even like throw in the Abyss uh, as like, you know, a bonus piece that like kind of combines with Alien, same uh, kind of similar vibe there. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, again, Abyss, the Abyss was something on on my list, but actually I'd sort of put it alongside Underwater. Yeah. Um, I've actually never that... seen Underwater. I need to watch that. Again... The, the leaps of logic that are <laughs> sure. missing, but yeah. as you'd expect. But all that very deep underwater action 
mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a very similar parallel. And um, I mean, the main difference is that in the Meg, you can actually see what's happening, but you get that, uh, you know, they've added the light in the, by yeah. magical sea creatures. Fine. Happy. Lots of neon. Do me. Yeah. Um, but you still get the same sense, like in you know, underwater, they're they're very much like they can't, they can't tell what's coming at them, and you get that because you know, you get the random beeps from all their monitors and stuff, and it's like there's something coming, we don't know where it is, and you get that panic, yeah, um, and obviously you get the same thing when he goes out miraculously without any scuba gear or whatever. Um, and he's going in and out of consciousness, and you can sort of see something, but not really. And yeah. I think they're definitely along the same, sort of on the same level when it comes to that that sort of atmosphere to it, which I, I thought worked really well. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. Um, since you were talking about the abyss and underwater, I'll throw in uh, another one right here. Uh, I, I'm I'm going with Avatar. Um, speaking about all that uh, underwaterness, and uh, speaking about Cameron, you know, might as well throw that in there as well. Um, you know, also specifically to the way I watched this movie with my mom in 4DX and uh, using new technology in a way that works so well. I really think that this movie, obviously. You know, it, it didn't do that well here in America, so we're not going to see uh, anniversary screenings of this movie. I think my my one time at 40X is the only time I'll ever see it that way. But um, to say that this movie was made for that experience is such, like, I, I can't say it any clearer. Like, this movie with uh, Jason Statham on a, on a jet ski, and every time... It, it goes over a wave, and you feel your seat bounce up, and then the, the water splurting and all that. <laughs> How Pretty damn wet. Honestly, there's so much water. <laughs> I think they really used all their water budget on this one. Like it was so much water. And the and, and then every time, like during that whole extended diehard action sequence where he's just kicking everyone's asses, like the sea and the like the little air bursts every time he would kick somebody in the face. Like, oh my God, did they really make use of 4DX? And 4DX can be like a real gimmicky, like awful way to watch a movie most of the time i've only done it like three or four times and the other times were terrible i just had a good feeling about this um but wow is this movie made for it did you happen to get to see a 4dx screening so i can't do 4dx because i get motion sickness i, I don't blame <laughs> and you. i have said to them i was like do you not have any stationary seats like can i just i'll sit on the floor just throw a bucket of water at me i don't <laughs> yeah. care um <laughs> Sadly, no. Um, I did want to see it in 3D. However, my cinema is a lot smaller than it used to be once they reopened. Um, We didn't have any 3D screenings, but you can very much see where the 3D would have been. Oh, yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, damn it, I would have been jumping out of my seat right now. Um, Yeah. So I'm a bit sad, but yeah, Yeah. I, I can imagine it being absolutely hilarious so (laughs) (laughs) super fun time super fun use of technology as james cameron loves to do i bet he had a fun time watching it that way uh but what do you get next um well so we did vaguely mention it obviously jaws sure i mean giant shark film it's got to be jaws hasn't it but Mm -hmm. i particularly the just the one scene and i had to remind myself afterwards because i was like i'm fairly certain this is like pretty much shot for shot out of uh one of the one of the films and it was the shot 
inside the Meg's mouth out right. as he's chomping on people. And I just, it was so awful and I loved it. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, I absolutely, I was, every time I went to see it, I laughed my way through that scene. I just thought it was great. Incredible um, shot. Yeah, it was really well done. <laughs> I think my mom was telling me also that the, uh, you know, the biting its way up the dock, uh, which that was also a, a Jaws callback to. Um, yeah. And then D- DJ, he mentions that he, I forget what kind of weapon it is, but like he it's, mentions Jaws 2 by name. The rounds of his gun, poison yeah. on the tip. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, DJ has a wonderful arc in this film anyway. Yeah. Like, he does what no character ever does and that is he learned from the last one right he was right. like i don't know how to swim i don't know how to fight i need to learn these things so good on dj for that absolutely um, I, I bet that actor had such a blast too like he seems like he's having so much fun <laughs> definitely definitely um amazing and the, the, actually the other thing that obviously george related and i'm it made me mad in the last uh meg film <laughs> that Pippin, the dog, and I was today years old when I learned that the dog in the original movie is called Pippit, not Pippin. Hmm. Okay. And I was like, no, like that doesn't sound right. But obviously, <laughs> that aside, I got the dog, and I was super annoyed that when Su Yin is like getting Jonas back to that yacht at the end of the movie, he did not pick up the dog. Right. From. You let the dog swim all the way to that yacht. You absolutely get um, so rude. So it was really good. Uh, it was really good to see Mayan actually rescuing Pippin yes. in this one. So <laughs> I was I was relieved. More people than DJ <laughs> learned from the first movie. They, <laughs> very they learned true, you very got true. you, you got to save the dog always. So yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Well, you know, as long as you're going Jaws, uh, I'm going to go with my last puzzle piece, uh, which is another obvious shark movie. But uh, I have my reason for including it on the list, and that is Deep Blue Sea. Uh, uh. At, and not just because uh, somebody gets you know eaten at that last minute jump scare, uh, which is very Deep Blue Sea, but especially because of the closing credits song. We had LL Cool J with his deepest blue as my head is like a shark's fin in uh, Deep Blue Sea. And I don't know who the artist, I should have looked it up before we started recording, but there is a straight up recapping the plot, like shark-based rap song at the end of Meg 2. And if nothing else proves that this movie knows what it's doing, that is the proof right there. Anyone who thinks this movie was not fun, I, I think you were just missing it basically because that proves that they knew what they were up to absolutely absolutely yeah it was that that is like pretty much the last like full one i've got on my list as well yeah loads of reasons but like you know running around that that little sort of compound underwater Mm -hmm. trying to get out and just all of that and yeah so Uh, much you can see it's it's like it's gone that bit was really good we'll steal that bit and steal that yeah. bit as well <laughs> yeah sure so yeah i really appreciated that i think yeah it was just yeah like you know say, something i was doing something i was thinking about too uh before we wrap this up is like 
there's only so many ways because they're so big for a shark to kill people. So it's like you, you kind of run out of it and you have to do those same things that we've seen in Jaws, we've seen in Deep Blue Sea, maybe The Shallows or something like that. Like, you know, other shark movies like and these being even bigger, it almost lessens the amount of things you can see the shark do. Like each time the shark gets bigger, it's like, I guess it's just going to swim up from behind and bite them. Like what else can it possibly do? So uh, I think this movie has, you know, this series, I should say, like as it gets more and more ridiculous, it kind of opens up the door for more creative stuff. And that I, that's part of the reason why I'm so looking forward to a sequel, but <laughs> let me read down the list of puzzle pieces here. And we'll get into some closing thoughts. Uh, we started it off with Jurassic park and Jurassic world. Then we went to some fast and furious rush hour, piranha 3d die hard alien, the abyss and underwater avatar jaws and deep blue sea. Uh, a whole bunch of fun stuff from creature features to action movies and kind of everything in between there. Um, do you have any any closing thoughts, anything we didn't quite get to while talking puzzle pieces? Um, I, I think, you know, we, <laughs> we got it pretty well covered. I yeah. think we haven't even mentioned, you know, the giant octopus. Oh, which, yeah. I mean, that poor, that poor octopus. I mean, he really deserves more credit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, a classic to watch. Sure, um, but there were there were other things, and I was making a list uh, in preparation for this, just going through like this bit, you know, make, making notes of all the bits I remember, and I'm like, this must be something if mm. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. And there is one scene. No, I tell a lie. There are two scenes where I'm like, this must have been in something, and I I was racking my brains and I couldn't think of it. Couldn't find it online anywhere, but you've got um, the guy on the island that is eating chicken, and we get an uncomfortable close-up of him just munching on that bit of chicken. And I was like, this must be from something, otherwise I don't know why it's here. Not a clue. Hmm. I can't can't relay it back to something that's bugging me, so if, if anyone knows, I, I need to know. Yeah. Um, and the other one was Cliff Curtis up in the... Uh, helicopter where the uncle falls out with the bomb and you've got the octopus comes out, grabs it and oh, sort of yeah. pulls it down and I was like, that must be in something as well, I mean like that feels like I've seen it before and again, there were so many moments in the, the film that I was like, this has to be from something else but those two yeah. particularly bugged me that I could not remember or come yeah. up with the film <laughs> That those both seem like something that it's right on the tip of my tongue as well. So if anybody does think of uh, good pieces for that, please write in with those. Um, I I just want to throw out there. Uh, I actually forgot this one. One other puzzle piece I wanted to bring up: a movie that I love that a lot of people didn't like, um, but I think goes right along with this is Rampage, uh, the video game adaptation yes. with The Rock, which is so so silly. And again, kind of like with Piranha 3D, like it knows what kind of movie it is. But really, the reason I wanted to bring Rampage up is because another thing we did not talk about yet is Skylar Samuels, the uh, the main villain, the villain of the villain, like the one whose plan it all is, you know. Uh, and this woman is so cartoonishly evil. Um, it reminded me so much of the villain from Rampage and how, like, she'll stop at nothing and she doesn't give a shit if, like, she unleashes these creatures to do all this destruction as long as she gets what she wants. And... Um, 
again, just having so much fun with this movie. So I, I, I want to give a shout out to Skylar Samuels, who uh, is just ridiculous here. <laughs> um, yeah, in both in both movies, they get they get taken away by one of the creatures, which yeah, yeah. I can't believe that is like one of my other top watch films. I can't believe that wasn't on my list either <laughs> nice i'm so glad you like that movie because yeah that i i have so much fun talking about that one and I, I love whenever i can bring it up and and remind people that yes rampage rules and uh everybody else is wrong everyone else is mm -hmm. wrong about it so Agreed. uh right on well i think that does it for meg too emma is there another movie you watched recently in between all of these rewatches of the meg that uh that you want to <laughs> recommend to our listeners um now i know they're not for everyone i did uh, obviously, it's new in cinemas this week in the UK. I don't know about elsewhere, but it was, um, Blue Beetle came out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I have had massive superhero fatigue um, ever since Endgame. Just haven't really mm -hmm. been enjoying stuff as much. Uh, and but this like DC property that I had not heard of before, uh, I I really enjoyed myself. Um, like there's, I think it's because it pulls away from all the regular IP, and it's a much, much more unknown cast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are some obviously there are people in there who you know and recognise. Um, Susan Sarandon's in there, and uh, uh, George name. Lopez. George Lopez, yeah, yeah, yeah. George Lopez was fantastic. Absolutely nice. adored him in this. But I just thought is like it. It was a nice change for what we've been getting recently. Um, and I think that actually like reignited my love of um of superhero stuff. Um nice. which yeah, it was going downhill a bit, and then we got Guardians Three was very good. Yeah. Um I was like getting back on the bandwagon and this has, you know, solidified it for the DC side of things. So uh, oh, yeah, exciting. I recommend seeing that one. It was really good. Awesome. Yeah, we're going through this crazy storm right now, which, uh, by the way, I almost brought up Sharknado as a puzzle piece. Uh, and <laughs> we are having the L.A. getting hit by a tropical storm, which never happens in like 100 years. Uh, that made me think of Sharknado. But uh, yeah, it, once once that's all over with in a couple of days, I can't wait to get out of the house and go see Blue Beetle. So uh, I'm very excited after hearing how much you loved it. Um, so yeah, awesome. Emma, tell people where they can find you and your blog and everything you do. Sure. So um my handle is Emma at the movies and you can find me on all the socials on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, a Facebook page. My blog is Emma at the movies.com. Um, I, and as I said earlier, I started doing flickering dreams podcast. So uh, there are links to that in all of my um, contacts as well. Awesome. Well, Again, thank you so much for doing the show, and maybe we'll get you back for a uh, non-shark-related movie one of these days. Absolutely, but do do pen me in for the Meg Three. So perfect, we're doing it. We're doing <laughs> it. It's on the schedule already.
Bites. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the Meg 2, the trench. What you just heard there was some audio from a video I took of my mom enjoying the Meg 2 and 4DX. Uh, normally, I would never take my phone out, but how could I miss that? So I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thank you to Emma for joining me on that one. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, you can, of course... Make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and maybe drop a five-star rating and review. That would be very helpful if you did that. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content for Piecing It Together, as well as Awesome Movie Year, which is another great movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. And with that said, let's close out the episode with a piece of my music. And uh, what should I go with today? Uh, I'm going to go with something off my most recent album, More Content, and this this feels like it might uh, fit pretty well with, uh, with the whole, I don't know, does it fit well with the Meg? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to play it anyway. How about that? Uh, it's a track called Signals, and it feels like it'll fit. So let's go with Signals. Uh, this is from my most recent album, More Content. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.